Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With the Melbourne Rebels going into voluntary administration, we thought we'd go to the man who knows all about this and has joined us on the show before, Tom Deeson, Sydney Morning Herald's uh, highly respected rugby writer. Tom, thanks for giving us your time today. This is a blow, isn't it? And I know the ARU have stepped in and saying they'll be there, the Melbourne Rebels, for 2024 season, but it, it, it ain't a good look, put it that way. No, it's not a great look. Um, the Rebels in in trouble down there. Um, the future of that franchise is very much up in the air, as you said. Rugby Australia has been forced to come in and bail them out, something that they don't really want to do. Um, I guess the question is how how does a franchise like that rack up $9 million of debt unnoticed um, in a position where moving forward, are they going to be in Super Rugby? Heading forward, there'll be some tough calls and conversations and talk of the Victorian government maybe having to bail them out, but also that has ramifications for, you know, a British and Irish Lions series next year. And Melbourne want to host the World Cup final in 2027. So does that happen if the Rebels aren't there? Mm. Um, Tom, what have been the biggest stress points for them? Oh, I mean, getting bumps on seats, to be honest. Like, yep. crowds haven't been particularly great down in Melbourne. It's the most saturated sporting market in the world down there, given how many footy teams down there and all the rest. So that has been a, a concern. Players as well um, wanting to go down there has been tricky to, to entice them down there outside of the major heartlands in New South Wales and Queensland. I think the franchise has done everything they can to, to keep it afloat, but um, numbers like that are not are not pretty, and... Yeah, what does that say about the health of the code in general? Uh, there are other franchises that have been doing it tough as well. And um, Rugby Australia has wanted to, to create a bit of centralisation and get everyone in the, in the same tent and umbrella. Um, but, yeah, there'll be some really hard conversations had. And my sneaking suspicion is that Rugby Australia, whilst committed this year, um, I'm not sure whether five teams is there um, is what they want long term. Yeah, yeah. Of course, extra Queensland interest this year in particular with Taniela Tupo obviously making the switch. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Would he be having trepidations now? Well, yeah. I mean, the the players have only been guaranteed their salaries for this season. If you're, you know, you've just gone to a new workplace and you've been told you're only going to get paid till June 30 at your franchise. That's a little bit of alarm bells there for sure. We're in a market where... These players who are staying in Australia are generally taking pay cuts to be in Australia. They're getting great offers in Japan, France to go and ply their trade and they're staying here to effectively want to play for the Wallabies. So what does that do for those players who are on the, the cusp of that? I'm not sure what that means legally from standpoints of guys who sign long-term deals. But yeah, for someone like Taniel, I mean, he's okay. He's got a Wallabies top-up. But for the guy who's not on a massive deal down at the Rebels who might not squeeze into another Australian franchise if it does go to four teams... They might be out the door and looking at a player drain in a whole different conversation. Mm. Rob Leota speaks so highly of the Victorian feeder-type areas into the Rebels. He's been in it since he was 14. So is there anything of significance there? Yeah, there is for sure. I mean, it's not on the sort of scale of New South Wales and Queensland in terms of the school system, but, yeah, Rob is a proud product of that. Victorian system and yeah he's, he's deeply passionate about trying to keep the Rebels afloat uh, but you do wonder whether yeah I mean the Rebels have struggled for eyeballs and 
an interest down there for a long time. Um, they had some early success when they came in the comp in 2011, but um, it is a hard sell down there. And, and given where rugby is at the moment in this country and on off the back of you know the Wallabies and what they dished up at the World Cup, um, Super Rugby franchises all over are struggling for memberships and, and trying to drum up interest in a code that was once very, very healthy. Yeah. Tom, big picture, you and your masthead drove the whole Eddie Jones dramas and Japan, it's been done now, so they've decided with, with Joe Smith. Uh, good move, do you think? I mean, it's it's getting pretty pretty big headlines up here because Les Kiss obviously worked with him within the Irish system and he said uh, Joe Smith is a good man. Yeah, everyone you speak to says that about Joe Schmidt. I think... Um, some of his training sessions in Ireland were particularly intense and he comes across as quite a friendly bloke, but I reckon um, there's a side that you don't want to cross as well um, if you're not dotting the I's and crossing the T's. So I think it's what Rugby Australia needs right now. I think they were very um, cognizant of the fact that maybe an Australian coach of that standard wasn't totally ready yet. I get the suspicion that Joe Schmidt will happily come in, rebuild, and then maybe stand aside after that line series in 2025 where maybe someone like a... Stephen Larkham or Dan McKellar, maybe Michael Checky gets swimming back in. I'm not sure. But I think that it's a short-term solution. Um, and the Wallabies just need a bit of stability and getting back in the winner's circle. Yeah. You know, all, all this money that's going out in rugby, this um, <clears throat> Rebels uh, thing is just another facet of Rugby Australia waiting to rely on the British and Irish Lions money. Do you think there'll be any profit left at the end of that? Oh, look, there should be for the line series, but, I mean, the Rebels' finances are pretty much their own domain, I guess. The question okay. for Rugby Australia is how did, how did they not sort of have oversight of this or know that it was spiralling out of control a bit um, to the point where they've gone into voluntary administration? So, look, Rugby Australia, as you say, Hills, are absolutely banking on that line series and then the World Cup to try and bring some profits into the game. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of rugby to be played before then. And, um, look, that will be huge, great events for sure for the game, but will it? completely revolutionised the sport in this country, you know, time will tell. Yeah. Hey, quickly, we've got uh, Kazi, who's a, a great listener and a very, very keen uh, rugby fan. Aussie clubs should be rating excess talent in New Zealand, untapped market. We know we've got a couple of former All Blacks props uh, vying for positions down at the Reds. And Kazi also added, when is Tom having a beer with Eddie Jones next? <laughs> I haven't spoken to Eddie uh, <laughs> since our Tokyo press conference, but... Uh, We'll happily have a beer with him in the, the beer garden of the Coogee Bay Hotel, which is his uh, favourite stomping ground. But I'm not sure Eddie would be welcome in this part of the world at the moment. No. <laughs> have you sensed any or enough remorse from Eddie for what he's done to Australia? Yeah, definitely. People who you speak to close to him say he's pretty beaten up by the whole situation. He did an interview in The Guardian where he spoke about the hurt and the pain of what happened, and he'll live with that for sure um, forever. And... Interestingly, there's a new stand documentary coming out, um, basically documenting that whole Wallabies car crash. And apparently there's some quite um, revealing interviews with Eddie as they follow that train wreck throughout the World Cup. Yeah. So, yeah, he would be hurting for sure. But I think, he's, he, as he said, his, uh, his biggest regret was um, maybe being a bit too full on with the media. And what did he say? If they, you know, they'll come after you eventually or the you know, truth will come out eventually, whatever he said. So, yeah. Um, an interesting saga. Mm, hey, always definitely. great to chat. Just very quickly, give us reason to believe up here in Kiss and the Reds. Oh, I spoke to a few players, Sully Bunavalu and Harry Wilson last week. They're mighty pumped. I think the bulk of the group's been there. Oh, like, you can't underestimate the World Cup 
hurt there as well for some of those boys. Like yeah. they've all come back absolutely ripping in um, for more reports. Queensland humidity apparently is making them extra fit at the moment. <laughs> apparently that's been an awful thing to deal with up there. So I would imagine their fitness levels are really good. And yeah, Les a very di- different coach and guy to Brad Thorne. Um, yeah, I'll definitely pencil him in for top six for sure. Good stuff. Tom, as usual, thank you, mate. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Tom. All good. Thanks, guys.